must constantly look at things in a different way. The Healthcare Education Transformation Podcast was created by two physical therapists out of the desire to learn more about the different educational roles in physical therapy and healthcare and how healthcare education works by talking with educational leaders and people with different perspectives within physical therapy and across interdisciplinary lines on how education can be improved to disrupt the status quo of healthcare education. This is our journey and thanks for listening. Are you a third-year physical therapy student that excels on tests when you have study guides, checklists, and deadlines? With all of the information available about how to prepare for the NPTE, it's easy to get disorganized and not feel prepared going into the big day. NPTE Prep Success is an online course that provides PT students easy-to-use study guides and step-by-step guidance through the NPTE preparation. To learn more, visit kylericeprep.com. Thank you again all for your continued support. And now for the show. You know, we've talked, of course, a lot about, you know, so many avenues of just simulation in general. And of course, we've mentioned a little bit regarding to Mercer's program, like some of the things you had just mentioned, but of course, some other things earlier in this episode. But I'm going to go back a little bit and kind of get more of a historical perspective and kind of focus a little bit more um, specifically on the Mercer program, just because I think it's helpful that you know, we kind of get a comparison of, you know, what you guys had to deal with, like what your guys' starting point was, and just see kind of how you do things. Because I think it's interesting when other programs can just kind of hear and learn um, what differences are taking place to consider and maybe reevaluate and say, wow, can they do things even better as well within their own program? So I'd be kind of curious, what's the story with like how Mercer actually started their acute simulation program, like how the PT program got involved? Like what was the deciding factor and story behind how that came to be it was a it was a, a very simple email an invitation and, a, and an answer to say yes so um so as i started kind of talking about at our georgia baptist college of nursing here at mercer i am lucky enough to have two colleagues that i have been able to work very closely with really since uh, the first week that i was hired on uh, to start here so that's professor frank camp and professor suzanne applegate both are certified healthcare simulation educators, CHSEs, uh, and have been doing simulation for over 20 years. I think Fran has been doing it for over 30, uh, but have been working here at Mercer, working with our, our highly acclaimed nursing program to do these things. And when I started on faculty, we had actually been asked to come over and observe one of their simulations because they wanted to partner and do some IPE and see if we could be in some of the simulation. Uh, again, I had started, I had been on faculty for about a week, but one of my charges was to really look into how we can enhance our acute care education here at Mercer. Uh, we had had students coming back from clinical education where, again, the same issues were being raised that other schools are facing. Students were anxious about lines and tubes management. They were slow to be productive in the acute care environment because they needed to verify and validate that they were safe, effective, efficient. You know, the same thing that programs across the country are dealing with as we send students into these high acuity environments. So. I got the invitation from the nursing program. I said, sure, I'll come right over. Uh, as, as faculty, I've learned in your first week, you really don't know what you're doing. So it was nice of me to get an invitation to tell me where to go. Uh, and so I went over to observe. And what I observed was our nursing program doing an IP, uh, doing a simulation that they wanted to set up as an IP. It was a three station setup. The first one being uh, the patient, they were using mid fidelity mannequins where the patient's experiencing some sort of acute decline. The patient has had something happen and the nurses had to go in, take vitals, assess the patient, and within five minutes, make a list of priorities of what needed to happen for this patient. 
and why. The second scenario was a high fidelity mannequin hooked up to about 15 lines or tubes in an ICU setting. And the nursing students would go through and trace every line and tube and talk about the significance of that line or tube. And, and then that was it. So it was more of a passive scenario. The last setting was back to that cardiopulmonary arrest that I had been talking about. The patient codes during uh, typical nursing care and they have to carry out a code scenario with the patient. So those were those three things. And I caught the bug immediately. I was in the room thinking, we've got to get our PTs in on this. Now, obviously had to simulate, had to change some of the simulation uh, to make it more PT friendly and more interprofessional, uh, which we did. But I was sitting there thinking, this is what our students need to see. They need to feel the lines and tubes. They need to see them and, and understand a little bit more. Um, we built that simulation up. And so now what it is, is not only do they trace lines and tubes on the high fidelity mannequin, but they perform a Hoyer transfer. They have to place a Hoyer net, perform a transfer out of bed, and then get the patient back in bed. So nursing and PT have to collaborate on what lines of tubes can be connected or disconnected. How can the room be set up? What's the best way to transfer and roll the patient? So it incorporates knowledge of both skill sets. The acute scenario uh, where the patient's having some sort of acute decline, PT and nursing go in together and they talk through what each role is in this scenario. Like what does PT know that nursing may not know about their strength and why it's declining and things that are going on. And they're able to come together and talk about that through some knowledge collaboration uh, and understand a little bit more about each other's discipline and role. And then in the code scenario, they just work together. So there's, it kind of blurs the lines. Obviously we stay within scope of practice and what people can do, but it blurs the lines a little bit and allows them to just be in a high anxiety moment together where they have to communicate for patient safety. Um, and again, it allows our students to come out of that with a little bit more hands-on knowledge so that it does happen when they're out of clinic or in their professional career. They've at least once experienced what it's like to have somebody yelling and talking through a code and, and being very directive in what they're doing. So again, that, that was kind of how we got started was just an ask and an invitation. Uh, and since then we've become collaborators, we've become research partners. And from there, uh, we've utilized the nursing space. We actually do uh, one high fidelity simulation every semester that the students are here with us on campus. So we have five high fidelity simulations that they do to work through acute and intensive care skills. Uh, some related to musculoskeletal, some related to neuromuscular, cardiovascular cases. We work through all of them, but they get an experience each semester to go in and, and be hands-on and see those things. Well, I think that's just absolutely fascinating. And, you know, have you guys, I know you kind of mentioned what you guys have kind of done and you're doing your own research, um, you know, in the near future that you're participating with. And I'm curious, have you guys collected any data from your end, like just like from about, you know, outcomes or any of that little data that's been going on since you guys have done simulation thus far, or is that still in the works? So we're in data collection phase right now. We have one study that's wrapping up. It'll be, we'll be going through another cohort here in the fall that will go through our interprofessional simulation activity together. Uh, and then in the spring, we're starting our new research study, which is really related to the students' perceived readiness in accordance with the acute care guidelines of, you know, can the student perform the skills? Do they know what they're doing? With that data collection, uh, as I was stating, we've seen anxiety of both PT and nursing students drop following the simulation activity. Uh, they also noted a lot of stuff. So our, our focus, a lot of that was on how do nursing and physical therapy students collaborate and communicate in these environments. And it was really, I, I think one of the things anecdotally that we've seen from the data that blew our minds was we asked the students prior to the three hour IPE, what's your understanding of the role or the skills that the other profession brings to the table in acute or intensive care? And then we asked them post-IPE, same exact question. 
what is your impression? And prior to the IPE, both PT and nursing, their, their recognition of what was brought to the situation was all skill-based. So for example, our PT students were writing that nursing in acute or intensive care are responsible for checking on the patient, taking vitals, delivering medication, answering to the physician. And on the other side, nursing students about physical therapy were saying they're responsible for rolling the patient, getting them out of bed, walking them down the hall, fitting them to a wheelchair. So very skill-based. And once we did the collection of data, three hours, you know, a three-hour IP, that was it. After that experience, the students had this vast collection of knowledge of, oh my gosh, I didn't know nursing had such great knowledge in problem solving in an acute scenario and understanding what's going on with the patient, acting quickly and, and incorporating all of these things so fast. And on the flip side, nursing said the same thing about PT. No longer was it about getting them out of bed and walking them. It was like, oh my gosh, these are doctors of physical therapy that are bringing this knowledge of lab values and, and patient status and, and everything else into their decision making. And it made them work so much closer together and recognize what a natural partnership that is in these environments. And so it was, it was really nice for us to see that, you know, thinking maybe they'll get that part in three hours, maybe they won't. But the majority of our students really pulled that together to understand how closely our disciplines work together in those environments. Um, so that's kind of where we're at with the, the anecdotal data right now, but we're continuing to look at those things. I would say too, what happens in all simulations. So based on the Anaxal standards, you do have to try and have the students assess the simulation. So after it's done, obviously faculty go back and look at it and say, did the simulation work? Did it achieve the outcomes? Did it do what I want it to do? But we also have our students assess them. And it's kind of a running joke between our nursing colleagues and I, because one of the questions we always ask is, do you like the simulation? Would you continue this? And I don't know that we've ever gotten a no on any of the simulations we've done from students. They're very adamant that this is the way they want to learn. They want the hands-on experience. They love the contact. It's, it's what they want to see more of. And they usually ask for more simulation, which leads back to that disadvantage of having the time and the space, uh, trying to figure out how to encompass that and, and add more where we can. No, I think that's really great, Dan. And you talked a little bit more about, you know, how your program specifically kind of uses more, you know, interdisciplinary collaboration. So kind of, again, like you said, the IPEs um, within your program specifically. So I understand, you know, given how Mercer has their level of interdisciplinary collaboration integration, which I think is really interesting. And that anecdotal data that you have told me, um, frankly, it was really surprising in a good way. So I'm, I'm very encouraged to hear that. I recognize, of course, though, that sometimes having a setup like that with that kind of interdisciplinary collaboration is sometimes maybe has maybe a little bit more challenges and barriers that might present for different systems. So what would you recommend overall, um, you know, from a PT, because I'm going to assume that most listeners here are probably more PT faculty that are trying to work on getting this off the ground. What would you recommend for someone that wants to try to get the ball rolling more with interdisciplinary collaboration who maybe doesn't have um, the thing set in place or kind of those, um, you know, those facilitation components, shall we say, as Mercer does? That's a great question, Brandon. I, one of the things we really struggled with early on is making an interprofessional simulation that doesn't seem artificial. Um, so having it be a natural moment where physical therapy and nursing would collaborate versus saying, okay, we're all in the room together, nursing do your thing, PT do your thing. We, we really had to struggle with how do we set up this natural response so it doesn't seem artificial to the students where, where they don't seem like they would actually be collaborating. So again, I think as a, as a faculty member, 
it's thinking about and collaborating with those other professions to say, how are we more alike than different? What are the things that we do alike and not necessarily focusing on maybe specific tasks. So I, in our scenario, getting somebody out of bed is not a PT specific task. It might be the first time because there may be some problems that you have to problem solve, but in an acute or intensive environment, usually it's PT and nursing working together because there's going to be complications with lines, tubes, patient status. So having people in the room together wasn't artificial at all. It was one of those things that happens regularly in those environments. It wasn't us saying, okay, the patient's going to do a complex stand pivot transfer with an assistive device that would be more PT specific. It was, okay, we're going to use a Hoyer and get somebody out of bed, which nursing is familiar. Um, you know, the code scenario could happen to anyone. So having PT in the room, having nursing in the room, it doesn't matter. It's whoever's there. And we kind of went through that scenario of like, this is okay. This is something that would happen. The acute scenario, when we talked about the, the patient's declining status, we recognize that PT and nursing are going to come with different priorities and how they're going to intervene with the patient. Obviously, nursing might be able to call a physician, intervene with medication, whereas physical therapy, it's going to be positioning. It's going to be maybe diet or nutrition, something we can do there. Um, so recognizing there were some differences, that was okay because it was still allowing them to share some information of how they would both handle the situation and build confidence in each other's discipline. But I think that's the biggest thing when we look at interprofessional education, it's real easy to create a really artificial, kind of almost nonsensical simulation where it's like, okay, everyone do your part and do your role, but it's hard for the students to really incorporate how we all work together. So allowing that simulation to do that is really important. Uh, with our simulation right now, we're looking at actually trying to incorporate uh, PAs as well as pharmacists. So we're looking at, can we do that? You know, the code scenario lends itself to pharmacy and that they can deliver, you know, bringing in the medications, talking to what's going on there. Uh, and PA is kind of naturally being a part of that, but we're really looking at, can we incorporate them in a way that's meaningful, that the students get something out of it rather than just putting more professions in the room. You know, we want it to be really meaningful and, and not artificial. I'm a big proponent of trying to get at least one high quality simulated clinical experience into at least a semester. We do here, they get one exposure a semester. The students look forward to it, they recognize it's coming, and they know that they're allowed to be kind of free in that environment, that they can make mistakes, they can take risks, they can be hands-on and explore those concepts and then come back with questions later about you know, how they would do that. I think you have to adopt whatever you're gonna do across your faculty, adopting a unified pre-briefing and debriefing model. So the students recognize, you know, the simulation is the learning experience, but really they're going to get more out of how do we talk about it before and after? What were the consequences of your actions? What is the recognized kind of right way to do the things that you did? Having a unified debriefing model helps the students really clarify their expectations. You know, I think for faculty, it's got to be a formal orientation and training program of saying, here's the technology, here's the standards here's how we're gonna do simulation and not just throwing somebody in to play around in the lab and figure it out. Um, and then again, the mistake that I made, <laughs> uh, allow the time for the preparation of the simulation and allow the time for the debrief, the pre-brief, make sure that there's time to for all those things. Again, it's not just creating a case study. It's not just creating a case study and making it come to life. There's a lot that goes into making sure that simulation runs smoothly and then always constantly assessing those simulations as they go. Um, and then finally, once it's up and running, invite everyone. So I'm a big proponent. Our faculty are, are so willing to come over in the PT department, come over and check things out to see what's going on. What's the new simulation? They want to be involved. They love it. 
but it's even bringing over administration. It's bringing over your dean. It's bringing over people to see what that learning opportunity is and how they can continue to grow that program. Well, perfect, Dan. I think that's a really good summary of a lot of good points. And I think this episode has been really enlightening to dive a lot more into these avenues of simulation because I've learned a lot and I'm sure a lot of others as well. But of course, it wouldn't be an HGT episode without our final question. Now, of course, this does not have to be simulation specific. This can be anything, whether that be entry level, post-professional level, undergrad, whatever avenue of healthcare education you want to address specifically. So here's the question. If you could change one aspect of healthcare education, whether that be physical therapy or otherwise, which aspect would you change and how would you change it? So this is where I get to make a plug on the other side of my world. Uh, so again, I told you I teach health policy uh, and, and at Mercer, we have a really distinct health policy program. Uh, it's a four semester series where it really looks at leadership within the profession, leadership within health policy, business administration, et cetera. Uh, and this is my plug for, again, our, our ACAP student leadership development. Uh, we sent out a survey last year to faculty and students. We did focus groups at NSC, at ELC, with faculty, with students, with student leaders, with the student assembly board within physical therapy. And what we found out is, is really what I've been seeing a lot of on social media, which is, is kind of nice to have it validated through all channels. But what we're finding out is that students are hungry for leadership curriculum, whether it be business leadership, whether it be marketing themselves, marketing for others, understanding their own value, how to negotiate salaries, contract negotiation, all of those aspects. We recognized in our survey, it came out that faculty don't feel like they teach the content well. So faculty were very honest about it, that the, the vast majority don't feel like we have a good grasp on the content. And students are saying, we're not getting it or we're not getting enough of it. Uh, and so we need to meet that need. Again, as we look at kind of this transition, if we want to drive up healthcare reimbursement and value in what we do, we have to have a better understanding when we come out as graduates rather than waiting five, 10 years down the road in business experience to say, oh, I wish I would have known X, Y, Z when I came out. Um, so that's kind of my plug there. Our, our ACAP group, we're doing a couple of different things. We'll be having um, an event at CSM for students where we're partnering with the private practice section to talk more about business marketing principles. We're also uh, one of our, we have an unopposed session at National Student Conclave coming up in a couple of months here. Again, we're partnering with the private practice section, but we're going to talk about how to market your own value, how to really understand how to apply business principles to physical therapy. And again, it's not just business. Like I think sometimes we talk business and we think it's own your own practice. It's private practice, but it's owning yourself. It's really talking about your value and what you bring to the healthcare system and recognizing how to do that and leading through that example. So more to come from that group. That's that's kind of what I would like to see changed. I had to put in my favorite quote. When we talk about simulation, this is part of, of some of my slides in simulation. Uh, it's a quote by Benjamin Franklin. And the quote itself, if I can find it here because I want to make sure I have it exactly. It's, uh, it's a quote and it says, tell me and I will forget. Teach me and I may remember. Involve me and I will learn. And I take that in regards to our healthcare simulation and what we do, that involvement is how our students are going to continue to learn. And so continuing to involve them in the process and allowing them to get hands-on, I think is going to make all the difference in how we teach healthcare. Well, I love that, Dan. I mean, that's such a clutch quote, and there's a lot of wisdom and truth in that quote. And I really appreciate, you know, again, the work that you guys do, not only through simulation, but of course with the ACAP initiative and all those other things leadership-wise. I think that's another very important topic. Of course, we've talked to the other few people on that because we completely agree that that is something that, 
could certainly be have more prevalence and more coverage. So we completely are all on the same page on that. But Dan, I recognize that there might be some people that might have maybe follow-up questions regarding um, anything that was talked about today regarding simulations and the latter. Where can people reach out should they have a question or want to chat on anything that we talked about? Absolutely. So they can uh, reach me by email at dale, D-A-L-E underscore D-C at Mercer, M-E-R-C-E-R dot E-D-U. Uh, you can also, I'm on Facebook, uh, and that's probably the only social media avenue I check regularly with uh, two small children at home. I, I am not the social media guy that I used to be, uh, but I can, I can be found on Facebook or email is usually the easiest way to get in touch with me. Well, perfect, Dan. And again, thanks again so much for coming on the day to chat, to share your insight, and uh, looking forward to having you, of course, be involved with this you know, unofficial kind of mini-series focusing on simulation because I'm excited to see the dialogue and the discussions that it will bring. So thank you, Dan. Absolutely, Brandon. Thank you guys and thank the Healthcare Education Transformation Podcast for taking this on again. Uh, I'm excited to be a part of it and, and excited to see where we go with simulation. Access to healthcare is one of the largest issues facing both providers and patients, as millions of people worldwide lack timely and affordable access to healthcare. Anywhere Healthcare, a telehealth platform, is a simple, low cost option for providers and patients that eliminates the barriers to access to all kinds of healthcare. To find out more, check out anywhere.healthcare, which is available on our show notes. And if you use the code HET in all caps when you email to sign up, you'll save 25% off the total cost. Thank you for attending class today, and we hope that you learned something and gained value from the content. If you'd like to schedule office hours with us, feel free to add us on Twitter at HET Podcast, on Instagram, HET Podcast, on Facebook, the Healthcare Education Transformation Podcast, and the homepage, healthcareeducationtransformationpodcast.com. And for those of you following along in the syllabus, extra credit can be obtained by liking us, sharing us, and leaving a review. Let's continue our journey up Mount Educational Success as lifelong learners.